0: And I'm glad to be back now because I love, as John had mentioned and Izzy had mentioned, it's a, it's a great time of the year, a time to really just celebrate the birth of our Savior. And I know we do it every week and all year round, but something different about this time of the year. And now I could totally focus on it because both of my football teams are totally out of everything. <laughs> so I'm, this is the last time, I promise, I'm done with my teams for the year. So I won't be watching football ever again. Until next September. <laughs> I'm this far away from just done with sports. All right, well, let's get into something more lasting and exciting. <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Since it's Christmas time, at least, yeah, we're going to say it's Christmas time. We're going to focus every week on this section of scripture, and really digging into Isaiah and the prophecies of the coming Messiah And everything from this point forward will be geared around this. So I'm excited about it. I hope you'll be here every opportunity we have to turn to the scriptures and study together. And I think it'll just give us a greater understanding and a sense of what Israel was expecting and what we can be expecting as well. So Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. And I said we're going to study this for the next four Sundays. So again, hopefully you can be here to study with us. But before we get into this morning's message, let's pray and pray for my wife. She's out yesterday. We were decorating around the house, and she twisted weird and just got stuck there. And so all day yesterday, she was in bed from noon till like this morning and couldn't move. And then she was up this morning making coffee. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I need coffee. So she's that's a good sign she's moving now. She's feeling better. And so just keep her in prayer. I'm going to pray for it, too, if you don't mind. Let's pray for our service. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time that we have together to worship you, to learn about you as we open up your word and read one of the great prophets of old, Father God, Isaiah. We ask that you would speak to us through your word and move us in a powerful way, Lord, for those that know you, Lord, that you would just comfort us and encourage us to follow you even more. And those, Lord God, this morning who do not follow you, Lord, that their hearts would be pricked and their eyes and ears would be opened to bow down and worship you as Lord and Savior. And Father God, I pray for my wife, Mindy, ask that you would comfort her back right now, Lord, that uh, as she's resting, that her back would be strengthened and that she would be back up, Lord, and just back around the house doing all that she does for our family. And we ask that you would comfort her now, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 9, the title of the series is going to be The Gospel According to Isaiah, and particularly this morning, we're going to talk about the glory of Christmas. Again, because everybody's so excited at this time of year, I just thought this section was appropriate, because there's an excitement that builds through the context of Isaiah chapter 9, because what's happening right now, a little bit of background of the history of this book. Here in Isaiah chapter 9, this is during the time of the reign of the kings. If you remember, we studied the kings earlier this year. And this is uh, going on particularly at the time of Ahaz, who was a king of Judah. And Isaiah is warning Ahaz of the judgment that came upon the northern tribes of Israel. And he's trying to encourage Ahaz to seek after the Lord because unfortunately he was not. He was going after other things, idols and spiritualists and mediums, as you'll see in a mo- as we see, as we study in a moment. And what was happening up north is the Assyrian kingdom was attacking the northern tribes of Israel and it had already begun. And so God, through the prophet Isaiah, is going to give Ahaz a prophecy of hope of a coming glory that was going to happen for Israel. And again, I think it's very appropriate because that prophecy is what we are celebrating even today. So let's look at this message with this background. As the prophet Isaiah speaks to Ahaz, he says this. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea. On the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you shall break the yoke of their burden. And the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as that at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult, a cloak rolled in blood, will be for burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. For then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of Hosts will accomplish this. A great section. There's no doubt you recognize that one verse, verse 6 because it's on you know, uh, Christmas cards, and I think we even have it all over the place. But in the context, I hope it gives you a much more deeper understanding as we study of what's going on, what the prophet is saying to Ahaz. And again, Isaiah's message from God is about the coming glory that is to come to the nation Israel. And it's a message of warning and of hope. As I started out at the beginning Ahaz was being warned not to listen to unwise counsel and to seek further into despair and darkness, but he was told to listen to God who has a message of glory. And as verse 1 says, there will be no more anguish or gloom. You see, God had treated the land with contempt, meaning the northern tribes who have already under attack by the Assyrians, and he said he shall make it glorious. And the question for Ahaz is when and how, because God's going to answer this through the prophet Isaiah in verses 2 through 7. When is this going to happen and how will it happen? That's the great hope of the nation Israel. When Jesus finally came, they were waiting for him and this is one of the prophecies that gave him that hope that they were looking forward to. And so let's look at it again, starting in verse 1. The when and how. When will this coming glory come again it says but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish in earlier times he treated the land of zebulun and the land of naphtali with contempt that's the current state of the northern tribes and ahaz has seen it and then god intervenes and says but later on he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of jordan galilee of the gentiles First thing to note here, where will this coming glory come from? Well, he says it will come from God in verse 1. He shall make it glorious, meaning God. God's going to make the land of Israel glorious. It's God's answer, God's solution, and it's God's way. God is going to be the one to do it, Ahaz. Again, as I mentioned in the very beginning, Ahaz was seeking med- mediums and spiritualists, trying to do it his own way, and God say, no, that's not how it's going to be done. It's going to be done my way. It's going to be my solution, and it's going to be my answer. The answer, the glory, will come from God. Well, where will it come from? As we've read, it will come from Galilee. Look at verse, the end of verse 1. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea, On the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The glory God will bring will come from this region. It's interesting to note that this is the first place that suffered the attack of the Assyrians. They were the northernmost regions of Israel, and Assyria had decimated it. And the prophet Isaiah is telling Ahaz, this is where the glory is going to come from. These people will see it first. So the coming glory is going to come from God. It's going to come from Galilee. And thirdly, it will be a time of deliverance. Look at verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. This time of captivity, because as you, if you know the history of Israel, the northern tribes were taken away into captivity by Assyria, never to return actually. And the southern tribes, the ones that we studied over the last year, were taken into Babylon. And here the prophet is telling them that the people who walk in darkness, in captivity, will see a great light. God will deliver them. The time of captivity will end when the glory of God is revealed. This is the prophecy to the nation Israel. So the coming glory will come from God, will come from Galilee, And it will be a time of deliverance. And when they are delivered, what will happen? Look at verse three. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest as men rejoice when they divide their spoil. God's glory will allow for Israel to increase in number because it will signify a time of peace. So they no longer have to worry about being destroyed by Assyria. They're going to have a time of peace or anybody for that nature. God's glory will result in an increase of gladness. That's what verse 3 tells us. Not only that, because of this time of prosperity, verse 3 tells us that this increase will be his people's joy. It will increase the people's joy. Excuse me. Look at verse 3 again. You shall multiply the nation, meaning people will get bigger, larger in population because of this peaceful time. You shall increase in gladness, and they will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest as men rejoice when they divide their spoil. It's going to be just a great time of blessing on the nation. Throughout the Old Testament, when God blesses his people, it's that their harvests are going to be blessed. It's going to be a peaceful time. And this signified that God's presence was with them. And when they won battles, they recognized the Lord is with us. This was their theology at this time. Whenever they were blessed, a good harvest, victory in battle, a time of peace, God was with them. So this is what the prophet is saying. It will be a gladness just like when that happens. So again, the coming glory that Isaiah is prophesying about, again, will come from God, will come from Galilee, will be a time of deliverance will make Israel great in number and it will increase his people's joy. Again, by being in the presence of God, the blessings of harvest and victory again will signify that God is with them. So they'll be excited. Not only that, look at verse 4. For you shall break the yoke of their burden And the staff on their shoulders. Again, because they're being led away into captivity. They're being burdened by outside influences. God is saying, this is going to be taken away when my glory comes. You will no longer be burdened. Not only that, you will no longer have an oppressor. Look at verse 5. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. This is God avenging the nation Israel. Again, it's supposed to encourage Ahaz. All this is going to happen, Ahaz, if you do it my way. If you wait on the Lord, these things are going to happen. Your joy will be increased. The nation Israel's joy will be increased. And then you go to verse 6. Why? How will this happen? Because he will literally come to his people. Look at verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is the Messiah. The nation of Israel at this time, they're saying, okay, this guy is going to come, and he's going to do all these things. This is the coming glory of God. When is he coming? When will it happen? And Isaiah is prophesying this. You guys are going to get a child. There's going to be a coming king who's going to do what? He's going to rule. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And over the next two weeks, we're going to delve into those titles and see what they mean. But for now, no. Basically, the prophet Isaiah is saying is that God will literally come to his people. God will come bodily. And then verse 7 says he will establish his rule on earth. Look at verse 7. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness for then on and forevermore. This prophecy is telling us that when this coming Messiah comes, he will establish his reign over all the earth and he will rule it. When the glory, of, the glory of God comes, this ruling will begin. And so as you can tell, if you think about us nowadays, the nation Israel is still waiting for this to happen because they don't see this fulfillment in Jesus. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And as you're reading, you might be thinking, yeah, I don't see that either because he's supposed to rule and reign forever. That's what the prophecy says. But what happened to Jesus? He died and was crucified. To our eyes, it looks like he's, or to the world, he's no longer reigning. He's not a Messiah. He's dead. And this is why the nation of Israel, to this day, is still waiting for this prophecy to be fulfilled because it wasn't, in their eyes, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And verse 7 promises us this, lastly, that it will come to pass. Look at verse 7, the very end, the last sentence. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This prophecy, Isaiah says, God will accomplish it. God's zealous love for his people and his zealous love for his word will ensure that this prophecy is accomplished. And we as believers would say, well, we already believe that it is accomplished. Well, let's see how that's accomplished by looking at this prophecy and then looking at what the New Testament writers say about this. Because we would say that the glory of the Lord has come. This is exactly what we're celebrating at Christmas, is that Christ has come. This prophecy has been fulfilled. It has taken place. His kingdom has been inaugurated and will last until the second advent, the advent, the second advent, his second coming, which we'll talk about in a moment. So let's see how the glory of the Lord has already come. Well, the first point is this. As the prophecy said in verse 6, there's going to be a child born. So in the form of his son, we believe that this prophecy has been fulfilled. That Jesus Christ is the son who was prophesied to come. Let's look at a few scriptures in the New Testament. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Matthew 4, verse 12. And look at what the New Testament writers say. About Jesus. As a matter of fact, in this verse, Jesus himself, at the beginning of his ministry, this is what's said of him. Actually, it's not Jesus, it's a, Matthew writes this. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, after the temptation in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, look at what it says. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, He withdrew into Galilee. Remember the prophecy said he would come from Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea. Remember that prophecy in Isaiah? In what region? Zebulon and Naphtali. And look at what the writer says. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Exactly what we read a few minutes ago. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light and those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death upon them, a light dawned. And then verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew is saying that that prophecy given to Ahaz in the book of Isaiah was literally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And he quotes that section of Isaiah, saying it's fulfilled. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. So number one, Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. He came in the form of the Son of God. John called Jesus the glory of God. Turn with me to John chapter 1 verse 14. There's so many verses we could refer to but I'm just going to point to a few under each of these sections. I hope this helps you to understand a little bit about the Old Testament prophecies and how Jesus fulfills them. John chapter 1 just look at verse 14 with me. It says this, "And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory." Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here, John calls Jesus the glory of God. That coming glory that was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah has now come. Matthew says it. John says it. Okay. So did Jesus do all those great things that the prophet said? Well, let's look at a few more verses. Because I'm going to say that the the, the glory of the Lord has come. By Jesus giving light to the blind. Remember that section of the scripture we read? Well, he will take those people out of darkness and be the light. So Jesus, as we'll see in a few moments, gives light to the blind. What he's talking about here is that God will give sight to the spiritually blind. Take them out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. Think of all the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about that. Of Jesus being the light of the world, for example. So those in spiritual darkness will be led into the marvelous light. Jesus himself speaks of this and his ministry in John chapter 8. So turn over to chapter 8 of John, if you're still there, and look at verse 12. Again, it gives a deeper and richer understanding of what's said in the New Testament when you look at it in light of the prophecies of the Old Testament. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right there himself. Again, a fulfillment symbolically spoken of, hey, this leading them out of spiritual darkness. Again, the New Testament talks about that over and over again. So Jesus gives light to the blind. Simeon, do you remember the old man Simeon who was waiting by the temple, waiting for the appearing of God in the Gospel of Luke? Turn there with me, Luke chapter 2, verse 29. Simeon was looking for the Messiah, and when Jesus' parents came, what did he do? He took Jesus into his arms, and then he proclaimed the following, which is recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 29 through 32. It says this. Luke 2, starting in verse 29. This is what Simeon proclaims. Now the Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people. And look at this. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I love that section. He is saying this is the light. That has come to us. So the light isn't like a physical light, a literal light that's going to shine so you guys could find your way. It's symbolic of spiritual blindness. That prophecy in Isaiah is fulfilled by the spiritual blindness. The darkness that he was talking about was spiritually. And the light that is shined is Jesus Christ coming and opening the eyes of those who are darkened by their sins. So Jesus gives light to the blind. Thirdly, Jesus Christ gives unspeakable joy. It is here now in the form of Jesus Christ. Just turn back one, one chapter to uh, uh, Luke chapter 1. We're going to stay in Luke for a little bit. In Luke chapter 1, you remember Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He prophesies about his son's ministry And says this great thing about Jesus, about this unspeakable joy. Luke 1, uh, verse 68 through 69. And then we're going to skip down to 76. Luke 1, verse 68. Look at what he says. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited on us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of David, his servants. So he's realized that Jesus is the one that was to come to be salvation to the nation Israel. Drop down to verse 76 now. And we'll pick up reading there. It says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. He's speaking about his son, John. He's going to be the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. And look at this to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is what Isaiah was talking about. And this is the problem, as you see, with the nation of Israel, even to this day. They're looking For a king who will literally establish a kingdom. When Jesus came, if he was the Messiah, according to the nation Israel, he would have established a literal kingdom right there. And because he didn't, he cannot be the Messiah. Because they're saying he did not literally fulfill that. We as Christians believe that it was inaugurated when Christ came. The kingdom of God was inaugurated. and We don't have time this morning to go through explaining that and that it will be consummated when? Second coming, right. So it's like it's now, but not yet. It's still coming. He started, it will be fully consummated at his second coming when he really really will, let me say that again, really will establish a literal kingdom which will rule and reign forever and never will be destroyed. The first time he came to open the eyes of the blind, as we've looked at so far. I would love to just talk about this part all day long. But you had to be at the revelation study for that. Sorry. Unspeakable joy. Zach, Zacharias saying there's going to be this unspeakable joy because salvation has come. Our eyes will be open. The thing that the nation of Israel had been waiting for has come. According to Zacharias. As recorded in the gospel of Luke. And then Jesus himself, turn over to Luke chapter 4. Jesus himself declares about himself when he's reading from the prophet Isaiah the following. Look at what Jesus says about himself. Isaiah, excuse me, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. So Jesus is sitting in the temple and he takes from the scroll and reads from a section of Isaiah. And this is what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. To, and recover the sight of the blind. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the, uh, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Could you imagine, before we read the, the next section... So here's Jesus. He grabs the scroll and and declares this great thing. He's telling them that I'm the Messiah. And he gives them back the scroll and just sits down. Everyone's just looking at him going, he's he's either crazy or it's finally here. And then verse 21 says, and he began to say to them, today, this scripture, the one that he just read, is fulfilled in your hearing. He proclaimed that I am the Messiah. I'm the one that Isaiah proclaimed, and it's fulfilled right here, right now. That's just, that's amazing to think about. But Israel did not believe it. Why? Because they were looking for a literal conquering king and kingdom. And as we study those titles in the next few weeks, I think that will help us understand what the Messiah was to be and how he was to uh, institute these great titles that were said about him. So we believe that the glory of the Lord has come in the form of his son, Jesus, giving light to the blind and giving unspeakable joy to those who open their eyes to see him. And we'll conclude with this last part, as I mentioned earlier. So this is Jesus coming to inaugurate his kingdom. And as you guys said so correctly, that when he comes again, he will consummate it. So the coming of the Lord is now, it's already come, but it's also coming again, and we should anxiously await it. Like ancient Israel, who was waiting for the first advent, we now wait as, the, as ancient Israel for the second advent, for Christ's second coming, when these things will all finally, literally be fulfilled. So we should wait eagerly for it. It's just like Christmas the first this time, right? We're waiting eagerly for it, or at least I am. Maybe it's just me. I'm waiting eagerly for it. We as Christians are called to, over and over again, to wait eagerly for the second coming. And we are to wait with great anticipation. And not only that, this waiting, according to Peter in 2 Peter 3.14, says that this hope should cause us to live holy lives. So turn with me with this last verse to read in 2 Peter 3.14. Because it's talking about the second coming, and he gives a, a therefore, which you guys remember from John last week, right? What's the therefore for? Okay, someone knew it out there. Of what was said previously. So he's talking about the second coming, and he says, Therefore, because Jesus is coming back and the world will be destroyed, He said, Beloved, since you look for these things, those things that he just talked about in 2 Peter, this new heaven, this new earth, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. If you are a believer, that is your call in life right there to be found in him when Christ returns in peace, spotless and blameless. Does that mean, well, I can't sin when he's coming? No, it means to be found in him. In Christ, because if you're not, then you will be removed from Christ for all eternity. If you're a beloved and since you look for these things, he says, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. So that's what we are to do as we wait for this Christmas, the first Advent we're celebrating. Let us wait for the second Advent when Christ comes and literally fulfills every prophecy. I hope you guys are excited about Christ's second coming. Just think of all that's going to happen when he comes. All those things. We truly will have joy, unspeakable joy. It's, it's beyond what we can imagine, obviously. Because I know sometimes when you think about it, you're like, what's it going to be like? kind of not ready for it. Well, let us get ready. As we look in anticipation of Christmas, let that be a, a symbol for you. To look and get ready for the second coming of Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your first coming. And each and every one of our hearts as well, Lord, there is a first coming to us for those who are in you. There was a time when we were in spiritual darkness and you revealed yourself. And opened our eyes and caused us to see May we be renewed this morning to look forward to your second coming as well. And may we be renewed in our commitment to you, to live in peace, to live lives that glorify you. Lord, so that we can, so it can be said of us that we were found spotless and blameless in you, following you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. And this morning, Lord, if there's any in this room who have not had that first experience with you. Lord, what better time than now to get right with you. For Lord, you came one time to offer peace to this world, to those who would see you, who would fall down on bended knee and worship you and call you Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord God, that you would open their eyes and take off those spiritual blinders, Lord, take them out of their darkness and lead them into the marvelous light this morning, Lord, and that they too would be looking forward to your second coming in eager anticipation, and Lord God, they would be able to celebrate Christmas for the first time with, for its true meaning, I pray that you would do this this morning, we love you, Lord, and thank you for your word, and it's in your name we pray, Amen.